This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 123 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, we discuss the art of lunging horses. Padipedia focuses on foster animals. Critter Nutrition, we share excerpts from a book on horse management published in 1850. And our holiday-themed coffee clutch comes after that. Listen in. I'm Tigger. And I'm Patty. And I'm Coach Jen, producer of this here circus. And welcome back to Healthy Critters Radio, where we get to geek out on all things healthy critters. Critters are people, chickens, lizards, whatever. Healthy, physically healthy, mentally. So uh, thanks for joining the fun. And uh, one of the one of the, the considerable mental health challenges that most folks have this time of year, we're recording this show in December, is decorating for the holidays. It can cause a little bit of stress. Yes. So we're going to chat a little <laughs> bit about that, aren't we, Patty? Yes, we are. <laughs> so my question to you girls is, when do you start doing any decorating, if, if at all? What about you, Tigger? I do a virtual Christmas tree. What's a virtual Christmas what is, tree? What does that mean? Boy, I want to sign you up for that. Saver I don't know or what something? it means. No, I imagine a tree in my living room. <laughs> you do an imaginative okay. Christmas tree. I don't really think that's virtual. I think that's called something else. <laughs> but I, but I want to know what that tree looks like in your head. I love. Well, it. the yes, cool it thing is, is that it changes. <laughs> oh, so, you can change so, it every as often as you like. As often as you like, and and you don't have to pack okay. anything away, and you don't have to take anything out of boxes. Yeah. So generally, okay. it's a live tree, and it has it's strung with popcorn and cranberries and homemade mm-hmm. cookies, no tinsel or anything. But my other one is actually laden with snow. Uh, and there's a little birds flitting around in it and <laughs> cardinals. But this, I don't know why this has made me think of that scene from Cinderella when they're doing the tree. <laughs> little, do, the, do the birds and the mice talk to you? <laughs> <laughs> Only my psychiatrist knows for sure. I was say, it's just a question. There's no judgment here. <laughs> and, and I'm going to write this down. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How about you, Jen? Well, generally speaking, we do a an artificial tree because Glenn is allergic to pine and Glenn likes to put the Christmas decorations up the moment Thanksgiving dinner is done being consumed. Whoa. <clears throat> and yeah, and in Glenn's world, the New Year's Day it needs to all come back down again. Ah, that's funny. <laughs> But uh, this year we are going to have abbreviated decorations because there is an 18-month-old greyhound in the home. <laughs> yes. 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 As, yes. as we record this episode, I'm looking at the um, 
blinds in my office. Uh-oh. And the blinds in my office are in about 150,000 <laughs> little pieces. Because huh. she jumped on them and, and scratched at she them? She had a good time with the blinds. Let's just say that. Ah. Can, can you, Let's can just you, leave it. Can you, can you say dental floss? <laughs> oh, oh she was biting the she, blinds. I think she used them for dental floss today, so... Uh, yeah, so oh, we're gonna we have some Christmas lights strewn up high where she can't get to them, and uh, Glenn put a really cute little itsy bitsy tabletop uh, tree in his office because he would go through some significant depression if he didn't have some kind of a tree. So we 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 uh-huh. uh, altered things just a little bit this season, and we're gonna we're gonna go with that. But I like your idea, and and, believe, and you know something, the whole Yule log channel on your TV. I'm sorry, but it's awesome. It oh, I don't yeah. like it. I love it. We don't have a fireplace. You do? We don't have oh. a fireplace. We can't have a fireplace. So I'm loving the Yule log. Understand that? Yeah. I appreciate that. Yes. We actually yeah. have a real fireplace that burns real wood. See, well, see, that's wonderful. Yeah. Not all of us have that kind of luxury. Understand? Yeah. Of course, you're not living yeah. in a cold climate. Well, well yeah. If, if, even if we had a fireplace, it, two days a year, it would get chilly enough to actually draw the smoke up the ch- chimney. So. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. those two. How days, about you, Patty P? Well, it's funny because I feel like Glenn and I are tearing a page out of the same book. Um, <laughs> we, we do the same thing. My tree went up either the day of Thanksgiving or the day after, and that that sort of came about when the girls went to college because they would come home and they knew that I would not put the tree up unless they would do it. <laughs> um, I like where you're going with so, that. Yeah. So now it's it's raised responsibility, which he has for I don't know how many the last however many years. Bless his heart, he just decorates the tree himself, and I just sit there and listen to Christmas music and watch him do it. Awesome. <laughs> I may have some holiday spirits when I'm doing that. Um, but then we Why? that's um, important. Yeah, I I I don't know that I'll wait till New Year's. See, the thing for if I did when the kids were were little because both Hannah and Ray's birthdays are like January 2nd and the 4th. So they really liked having the tree, you know, that time of year. But I, you know, I get very ready for it to come down, um, you know, soon after Christmas. So, so Glenn and I are kind of on the same page, but it's, you know, it's nice because it, it, where I am, it is cold. I've had probably five or six fires already, um, which is great. And with those stockings hanging on the side, I mean, that's, I, I love that. I love that. But I do think the virtual thing, I don't That's know. Awesome. Even if you could get one that you could like shine on a, a wall. <laughs> think about that. Like yeah, one of those little projector ones. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could be a really good thing too. And you I could change it just that, like you're saying. You say yeah. Well, I love, I love I mean, changing it. I think that's, yeah, that's really fun. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's what we do. So, but you, you know, just, it's always fun. Like right after Thanksgiving, you start to get in the, the feeling of uh, tis the season and get the tree up and Christmas music. And then the 25 days of Christmas, who doesn't watch that? <laughs> I mean, I've watched, I have I some have of my, my special, I mean, I have, there are some in, in there that I don't watch cause I, I don't really care for them, but you know, yeah. the real classic animated. Oh, the cl- yeah. Rudolph, Rudolph. Yeah. And everybody waits for Rudolph. And then the, um, the um, your Santa Claus. Yep. 
whatever that the year without yeah. a Santa Claus and yes yeah love the um, ones and then Earl when Earl Ives is the snowman I yes. forget which one that but I love that one and uh, of course Charlie Brown yes yes yeah so so my question to you ladies is when do you finish when do you start and when do you finish your Christmas shopping? <laughs> Christmas Eve and then Christmas Eve night. <laughs> there you go. Uh-huh. Um, and we celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve. So one, it's, one, it's a tight uh, day for me. Yeah. It's a tight day. <laughs> 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on December 24th. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what ours happens. <laughs> when do you terrible. do your shopping? Jen. What's that? You do your Christmas shopping on December 24th? Yeah, and it's usually on Amazon gift card. <laughs> Send. Yeah. We yeah. have we've lived hours and hours and hours and hours and hours away from our family for so long now that we very rarely get back for Christmas. Um so we've really gotten good at uh Gifts that can be emailed. <laughs> gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, that's that's our most common. Every once in a while, we'll figure out something that we can put in a box. Or we just get it on Amazon or some other Etsy. Oh, my gosh. Etsy is awesome. Oh, Etsy is awesome. Because um, they will send yeah. it to whoever you want. Yep. <laughs> so we love Etsy. Amazon, yeah. No, that's been our biggest thing since the, the kids are in different states. I, we do the same thing. Send stuff and that way but etsy is great etsy is so great they ha- oh my gosh they have so many cute little things like I, I all of my kids have dogs so i had all the dogs names made into a christmas ornament oh um, it, is, it, was, it was just it was just the best even when i didn't spell them correctly they turned out really well <laughs> as long as they look good dogs can't spell now i mm-hmm. start christmas shopping in february i know you do and I'm yeah. done by October. Yeah, you're amazing at that. And I, you know, Etsy I love, but I have found a whole new source oh. of fun. Yes, Kickstarter. Oh, no. Never would not have thought of going there. You know what it is. It's a platform for mm-hmm. entrepreneurs, very small new companies with great ideas. Yep. And it it has been the source of so much fun because, first of all, you're helping a, a, a small company. And some of these companies have really cool ideas. Cool. Yeah, I got this air filter. I gave it to myself. And it. It's connected by your smartphone. It's freaking amazing. It tells you what level of of contaminants are in your air, and then it amps itself up if you've got extra contaminants. It's a course. smart air filter. How it's cool a, is that? Oh, it's so cool. Yeah, cool. It's so cool. Um, so a lot of my Christmas shopping this year, the only problem with Kickstarter is if – you have to really read the fine print about when they expect delivery. Yes. <laughs> and during COVID, that's been a nightmare because yeah. things that were supposed to arrive here in September aren't arriving 
won't be here till next year, you know, it, because there's problems in the supply chain. And yeah. but if you're yeah. looking for really unique things, Kickstarter, it, it's sort of a, it's an Etsy that that's. It's for startups, really. It's for startups. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, over on the Horses in the Morning show, we love to find equestrian or horse-related Kickstarters and have the people come ah. in and talk about them. And th- we found some really fascinating ones. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing what people And then there's some you go, really? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of games on um, Kickstarter. Like board games? There's board games. Oh, wow. and. And people still invent uh, board games. Uh-huh. Huh. There's one from Peru that's really interesting. You move the llamas around the board. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I, I thought that was, and oh they're adorable uh, too. You know, they have lo- like I little just, scarves on. Yeah, oh my gosh, I want I that just saw. so I can have llamas to move around a board. <laughs> yes. Oh, that is so funny. Okay, llamas. Yeah, have we done llamas on the breed of the show yet? No, but I okay. think that that needs to patty. No, but I think that well, you know what yeah. we need to do? We need to find that person who invented that game and say, "Hey, we need to have somebody on who knows a lot about llamas. Find someone for us <laughs> and, and get them in the right time zone. Yes, and have them come on the show and tell us all about llamas. <laughs> Inquiring minds need to know. Yeah, that's true. Oh my gosh! Oh, that's funny. Well, there we go. Your holiday chat. <laughs> yes, but moving on to to sort of the uh, meat of the show, we're going to talk about lunging. There we go, going around in circles for a different reason. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> what prompted lunging? When, yeah. where, and why? What was the catalyst, Tigger? Uh, the catalyst was a phone call. Aha. Uh-huh. From a customer who has a hunter and the groom has to lunge it for 45 minutes every day before she can get on. And I just thought, huh, lunging. <laughs> Let's talk about mm. that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That, that, that whole, that's up there with shoes or no shoes and bits versus bridles, bridle bit, bitless. Okay. This will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So the roundtable discussion today is the art of lunging. And I, I, I'm hearkening back <laughs> to the dulcet tones of a certain Australian shepherd Burkening, Burkening. to something that a veterinarian that Patty and I dearly love and respect, Dr. Tim Ober. And he he said it was really not a good thing to do. And I said, why, Tim? And he said, just keeping a horse on a circle all the time is not in their best health. They need to go straight. They shouldn't always be turning in a circle. So when you think about how a horse moves on a circle... Um, obviously, the inside legs are going to take a little bit more than the outside legs. And I think that was the point he was trying to make. Did he ever say that to you, Patty? No, he actually didn't. That's, I, I'm raising a brow. That's interesting. I, I think there are lots of benefits to lunging 
when used judiciously. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think, you know, lunging in a Pessoa rig makes so much sense because you're actually asking the horse to work in a yeah. specific way. And I, I think what Tim, Tim's point was that when you see people that just have the halter on the horse and a lunge line and they're just running around in a circle, that's probably less productive, even though it feels like that's sure. a way to get rid of their energy. So what are your thoughts on lunging? Because I think judicious use of lunging is really important in building horse building their, their self-carriage and and teaching them certain things like piaf and passage when you have a little bit more control over them and transitions without a rider on them. Yeah. I I mean, I am a big advocate for lunging, but completely with you, you, you have to have a plan. Like, I don't want to lunge just to lunge. I, I mean, I what I do in my, you know, weekly training is that if I have a younger horse, for example, I have a four coming five-year-old and until I really knew his reactions to stuff every Monday, I would lunge for uh, maybe at most 10 minutes each way, just to make sure that I was giving him an opportunity to get like the tactile part of his brain working. If he was going to be silly or react to stuff to get an idea of where he was or is. And um, eventually I eliminate it. And don't, you know, don't use it, but also I feel like it gives the horse an opportunity. They do want to be a little silly or crack their back a little bit. You know, you want them to express themselves, but also do it within a reasonable, you know, amount of exhilaration. And I have always, and I also will do that with a young horse. Um, if I'm going to a horse show, I always lunge them before I get on them there because I also, it just feel like it's gets it burns off some steam it does but all of these times that i do this i always have them in either side reins or a pessoa or mm-hmm. something like that so i feel like there's you know there's definitely a, a very specific use for it but and I, you know there's times where i mean i very very rarely ever just put a horse on a halter unless i'm looking doing a lameness exam without having them work over their back i mean to me it's a it's an outlet for them to show you where they are in their mind and their body. I don't, you know, I, I very rarely will do upper level horses unless I'm doing like, you know, double line lunge lining, you know what I mean? With double yeah. reins or I'm going to, you know, br- you know, bridge that to doing some long lining, but I, but like, I, I, I'm a very big advocate of it. Um, especially if you're introducing something new or if you want a horse to just, like I said, kind of get an idea of where they are mentally to come, you know, to be with you um, is generally when I use it. How about you, Jen? I am not, I lunge lines, long lines. I only use it for training purposes. I never use lunging as a way to let a horse blow off steam. It's just something I never do. Occasionally I would let a horse do a, let, let him loosen the round pen to blow off some steam, but just it was one of those things that it's like being under attack for me. If if you're on a lunge line, it's no different than me sitting on your back. And I'm sorry, but bucking's not allowed. Not now. That being said, if I put Nigel on a lunge line and he hasn't been ridden in ten days, there's going to be a buck or two. But 
Yeah. Yeah. But it's not a case of, oh, go ahead and just do that. It's like, oh, my God, hold on tight. Got to shut that down. Yeah. But I also live in a very different world than you do. My horse lives outside 24-7. He's basically a pleasure Mm -hmm. horse. You know, I go to shows once in a while for funs and giggles and stuff like that. He's really got no excuse to have to blow off steam. He's out 24-7. Yeah. Versus a show horse or a competition horse who spends least 12 hours a day in a stall. He's going to be either going to be an all day or an all night at the very least when you're a show horse. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They need to have that physical and mental outlet, be able to go out and kick up their heels and goof off a little bit. But... When you're a fit horse, being able to do that out on your own can get a little dicey. You know, a lot of times you don't have a place to do it. If you're at a showgrounds, there's nowhere to put them out where they can run and play. Those little round pen turnout things aren't safe for them to run and play in. So you need to figure out a way that works for the horses that they can get a little bit. And like you said, express themselves. That's key. But I don't, I don't use it as, okay, so-and-so has too much energy. Let's, let's put them on the end of a lunch line and let them trot for 45 minutes or an hour or whatever it is until they can hang their head down. Because all you're doing is oh, making yeah. the horse tired and more fit. And then you have to lunge yep. them longer and oh, lunge yeah. them longer and yep. lunge them longer. Yep. And I, th- I, I think it's just, it's one of those never-ending spirals, really. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Where do you attach your lunge line? Onto the horse. Who are you asking <laughs> on the horse? Good one, Patty. Sorry. Well, remember <laughs> when when lunging cavisons were the rage? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I always do mine like through the through the bit and over the, the top of over the, the pole. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I never attach it directly to the bit. I will. I vary it. Sometimes I put it up over his pole. Sometimes I have one of those little. I guess they call them a lunging attachment. It's a little tiny curved strap like thing that has a snap on each end and a little ring that moves in the bottom. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. I will sometimes use that. Yeah. I have to put something on the bit, though. I found out the hard way. Nigel came to me this way. That if you try to lunge him in something that's like a lunging cavison or a rope halter, it's just bye-bye. He goes out to the end of the lunge line going, oh, this is nice. See ya. Chink. And he just leaves. <laughs> <laughs> just leaves. Bucking and farting the whole way. It's like, oh, that's not going to work. Um so uh, I do have to put it on the bit with him. Now, Scooter, I can I can lunge him in a piece of string around his neck and he just go out to the end and go around in circles, which is weird because he's not obedient about anything else. But for some reason, when it comes to that, he's great. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm and I, I vary that a great deal according to the horse in the situation. There's so many horses that you can just put a snap on the on the ring on the halter on the side and send them out to the end and they they jog around and go, yeah, I got this. It. So much depends on the horse. What you, I guess you just have to be careful not to put it on one ring and slide the bit through their mouth because that gets really ugly. Yeah. 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 I, I often want to, you know, when I see, you know, people just at, at specifically at showgrounds and they're just trying to wear their horse down, you know, and it's clear and the groom's out there and the horse is racing around 50 miles an hour. Do transitions. Mm-hmm. You know, to engage the horse's brain. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, you see that a lot. You see that you, you send them out to the circle and you say trot, and then you just stand there. Is, yeah, and, and then and they it's go. It's fun the when same. You, you see the you know, the person standing in the middle and they hold their hand above their head, and then and then text <laughs> on their phone or <laughs> go through Facebook, and the horse is going around with their hand above their head. Yeah, not productive. 
No. And it, and it can yeah. be really useful to um, ask them, I mean, if they're a, a, have some training in them to be able to, you know, go forward and then come back and then walk and then canter and just and vary it so much that the horse is thinking, okay, what, do you, what is he going to, what is she going to ask me next? Yeah. Instead yeah, of waiting, running around like an idiot. And I think that, you know, you, you, when you watch some of those horses that are already tense, right, they got a lot of energy and they're running around in a circle, they're unbalanced. I mean, I, I just, I, I just can hear the joints and connective tissue go, ow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just want to, yeah, exactly. And lots of change of direction. Yeah, and changes within the gate. Yeah, yeah. Now, do do Patty? Do you ever long line them, or you just pretty much stick with the one yeah. line? You do long line. Yeah, I love, yeah, I love that line. more. If I if I've got the the time to get to do it, I love yes. long lining because you can do all kinds of fun stuff with them. And and the people yeah, who are like, really I, really I, I, good I, I, at it are they're yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, I love. I mean, there, there's mastery in long lining for sure. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, I I am okay at it. I'm not great at it, but um, but I like to introduce, you know, Piaf that way. Just but not making yep. them think Piaf. You know? Yeah, it's a really nice way to do that. But it does it does take a decent amount of time, and that's the hard yes. part. If you don't have help, you have to get a lot of horses worked. It's that's yep. hard. Yeah, you know, JJ so. Tate's husband Richard. He's, yes, he is. He's really a master at long lining. Yeah. I've seen a couple of videos of him doing stuff. Yeah, he's really good. He's he does really a lot of double, good. you know, long lining lunging and stuff like yep. that. Yeah, really, really. So, yes, there is an art to lunging. So, you know, use it as a great, the great tool that it is. Yeah. And just be mindful of a horse running around a circle may not be the best for his body. And there are ways to get the energy out that employ the mind. Engage exactly. both, both parts of the horse, body and mind. Hello. Greetings. Greetings. Hi, Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Did we all have beautiful Thanksgiving holidays? Oh, I still have a turkey coma. How about you? I didn't get even one piece of turkey. Oh, that's <gasps> so sad. Oh, I know. Patty. No turkey. No turkey for Hedwig. Did you have anything special at all to eat on Turkey Day? No. Oh, but oh, you know boy. something? Your beautiful figure is better for it. <laughs> the rest, um, the rest of us are wearing. If I, you know, care. The rest of us are wearing stretchy pants right now. <laughs> well, that's your own issue. I don't get fat. That's true. You don't. <laughs> no, I never do. You never do. Well, Hedwig, we have an important question. Obviously, since we're recording this podcast in in December, a lot of us are thinking about the holidays. Yeah. And we want to know, Hedwig, because we know that you have very strong opinions about what you like and don't like. What are, yes. you, what are your favorite holiday decorations around the home to destroy? <laughs> I don't destroy things. 
I would never destroy something. What sort of monster do you take me for? <laughs> okay, what kind of, what holiday decorations do you enjoy having around you? Well, we have a really nice tiny tree. It's a ceramic tree with little lights on. I like that one. We put it on the mantle, and the lights are colored light, pretty. And at night, when we're grating or depressed, we like to just look at the light in the dark. <laughs> Don't go into the light. Don't. <laughs> yes. Oh, no, not that kind of light, Tigger. It's not like the divine light. It's just light, you know, little colored lights on a tree. Have you not had Christmas before? Maybe you know how this works? I don't know. Does your does your 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 servant put up any wreaths or boughs or mistletoe? No, we have cats. We um, oh. we sometimes put a wreath on the door, but then it gets blown into by the other door, so that doesn't go that well. <laughs> ah. um, in the barn, where nicer things happen because we, you know, are heathens, um, there are stockings on the, the stalls, and we have little stockings for little dogs. Oh. <laughs> uh, those go above the wood stove it's like a fireplace but bigger and hotter and made of not fireplace so are there goodies in those stockings on christmas day yes oh so it's not just for decoration no santa comes (laughs) santa comes extra for rescue dogs and because it's a new rescue dog year I think we're all going to win. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. The staff's birthday and the grandmother human sent extra cookies. Extra cookies. Oh, for boy. Us, not for the servant who's a chunker, but it was for us cookies, not for the human. Yeah, not for her. No, for us. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're getting some holiday cookies and a little extra yes. love this year, this year, Hedwig, mm-hmm. because goodness knows you need it. It's 2020. Yeah, I yes. totally do. Yeah. Everything is pretty horrible. So I think it's pretty important that I get nice things. Yeah. Yes, it is. Well, thank you, Hedwig. Well, thank you, have a lovely week, everyone. I'm sorry about your obesity, but I'm sure it will go away in time. I'm sure it will. <laughs> Thanks, Hetty. <laughs> or not. Bye-bye. Bye. the petapedia section of our show and I thought that it was a great discussion about considering rescuing or adopting a pet. This time of year the shelters and rescue become quite full because a lot of people unfortunately try to make way for new pets that people get during the holidays and this is one of my number one pet peeves. Not that I don't think getting a 
animal as a holiday is a bad thing. It's just, it's something to take for serious consideration because, you know, animals are a long time and long-term project and you're making, I shouldn't say project, a part of your family. So I just thought this was a, a, I've been talking to Tigger about this for a while about uh, doing something on this. And um, I really found out some really interesting stuff. I used to do a lot of fostering and then placing dogs, um, mainly dogs. And of course you can consider any type of a pet, whether it's a cat or a dog. And I I found it was so rewarding looking at the people and being able to talk to them and knowing the animal and letting, you know, somebody take on something that I had actually had in my home as a foster dog. And there's also, of course, considering a shelter, but first and foremost, um, the reason that you would consider and want to consider doing this is that, you know, you are most likely going to be saving a life considering where you're putting it from. Um, There are tons of no kill shelters um, however, you know, when pets don't get adopted out, they stay filled and um, that becomes an issue. Um, there's also rescue groups, which um, take them on as fosters, which I've done before, um, which I just mentioned. And both are great options. There's a, tons of benefits to considering either one. A shelter is going to probably be a little less um, of a big deal. If you go into a shelter, you're going to see a lot of animals um, in one one place, they'll have a little bit of background on them. A lot of times, not many, uh, or not not a lot of uh, information. But they, some shelters will do a little temperament testing to give you an idea of what kind of animal or what kind of dog or that you'd be dealing with. Rescue groups are a little harder to get uh, the animal. Uh, I shouldn't say quicker. I don't mean it like that. But they they tend to be a little bit more stringent. They you have to fill out an application. There's many visits that you do, which is by the way a great thing. And shelters, the one thing that you have to really consider is you're in a loud place with all other dogs barking. And so a lot of times you're not going to see the real dog. I mean, you'll, you know, if the dogs it may not be as relaxed as it would in your own home. And so interestingly enough, there are a bunch of YouTube videos out there on how to choose a pet or, you know, a dog in a, um, you know, in, in that kind of um, environment, um, which I thought was really cool. I had no idea they were that was out there. And they can help you behave behaviorally, you know, how to figure out what is, you know, the best options for you by looking at certain animals. There's something else called the Shelter Pet Project. Again, didn't know about that. It's a super cool thing. You can look it up online. And what they do is you just put in some of your information, what you're looking for, and then they can direct you to certain shelters to get you lined up with a couple pets to look at and adopt, which I think is a a great great thing to do. So as far as going with a rescue group, again, a lot of rescue groups, if you're looking to get a purebred dog, for instance, like an Australian shepherd, (laughs) which um, Tigger and I have many of, you can actually get a little bit more information about um, the dog specifically that you may be looking at that because it's going to have been in somebody's home. So that's the advantage of it. The disadvantage is like I mentioned before is that they are, and this is a great thing and I shouldn't call it a disadvantage is that they're going to be really uh, strict on where that dog goes. And so they'll do a couple of visits. They, a lot of times that will require that you have a fenced in yard and ask you a bunch of questions. And so I have known, I have actually known a very, uh, a vet friend of mine who is an equine vet and they live on a farm and they were denied several times 
going through uh, a rescue organization. So there can be some downfalls to that. But I think all in all, the biggest thing is, is whatever you decide to do, whether you decide to go with a sh- adopt through a shelter or a, a rescue, or even if you decide to get a, a dog or a cat, you just always want to investigate as much as you can about specific breeds, crosses of breeds, if you can find out what it is. But just really make sure you understand it's a long-term commitment. And there are so many wonderful, positive things about going about getting an animal this way. But investigation and education is always the best thing. And it ends up just being a wonderful part of your family. There you go. Yeah. So now we're at Critter Nutrition, and I'm going to read some excerpts from a book called The Stable Book, Management of Horses. It's written by John Stewart, who is a veterinary surgeon, published in 1856. And he's from Scotland, so this is the English version of horse management. The book covers lots of things like stabling and bloodletting and all sorts of things. But I found the food section to be fascinating. So I'm going to share with you some excerpts from the stable book. This is the fifth chapter and it's called Food. In this country, horses are fed upon oats, hay, grass, and roots. But in other parts of the world where the productions of the soil are different, the food of the horse is different. In some sterile countries, <laughs> they, are for- <laughs> they are forced to subsist on dried fish and even on vegetable mold. In Arabia, on milk, flesh balls, eggs, broth, etc. In India, horses are variously fed. In Bengal... On the western side of India, a sort of pigeon pea, an ordinary food with grass while in season and hay all the year round. Indian corn or rice is seldom given. In the West Indies, maize, guinea corn, sugarcane tops, and sometimes molasses are given. In France, Spain, and Italy, besides the grasses, the leaves of limes vines, the tops of acacia, and the seeds of the carob tree are given to horses. In the United States, many different kinds of natural and cultivated grasses, green or dried as hay, are used in feeding horses. Also, Indian, Egyptian, and broom corn, their blades and stalk, sugar and wild cane tops, and molasses drippings, rice, wheat, and other straw of different kinds, and their grain and bran, beans, peas, and their pods and vines, artichoke and potato tops and their roots, together with many other vegetables, pumpkins, squash, and other vine fruit, flax and flaxseed, sunflower seed, acorns, and other nuts, the twigs, buds, and leaves of trees, apples, and other fruit, and cabbage. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Um, So now he's into this. This is another chapter, and it's, it's, he calls it stable economy. 
a shilling's worth of oats is a great deal more nourishing than a shilling's worth of bran. Well, yeah, there we go. Wheaten bread, bread, wheaten bread, either brown or white, is much relished by nearly all horses. Occasionally, it may be given to a horse that has been tired off his appetite or to an invalid. It should never be less than 24 hours old, and it should be given only in small quantity. Bakers sometimes give their horses a good deal of it, but it ought to be mixed with chaff. Some will not eat it till it is mashed by pouring boiling water over it. In Holland and many parts of Germany and Norway, buckwheat is made into a black bread, which then the horses are fed. Maize or Indian corn is much used as a horse food in Americas and in various parts of Europe. Probably it ought to be boiled and mixed with chaff, but horses eat it greedily when raw. Bracy Clark says it is apt to clog the stomach and affect the feet in such a singular way that the hooves frequently fall off when the horse is on a journey. <laughs> 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 Wow. He alludes to founder, but seems ignorant that any kind of grain, when improperly given, will produce the same effect. Maize does it more readily, perhaps on account of its greater amount of carbon or the fat-forming principle. Well, rye. he's partway there. You know, it was 1850. Right. Yep. Rye is used in Germany, but generally in the shape of bread made from the whole wheat flour and bran. And it is not unusual in traveling through some parts of that country and of Holland to see horses help themselves from the same loaf. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, this stuff is so great. Okay. (laughs) So on beans, he says... There are several varieties of the beans in use as horse food, but I do not know that one is better than another. On fruit, as pumpkins, apples, etc., and sweet potatoes in America, figs and chestnut in Spain and Italy, apples in some parts of France, and numerous other fructified exotics are occasionally employed as food for horses. (laughs) The people of Medjid... That's got to be Arabia. Feed their horses regularly on dates. Barley, however, is the most usual food in all parts of Arabia. In Iceland, it is stated by Buffon that dried fish is made the food of horses. And my friend, William Bullock Sr., lately informed me that he saw the same practice in Norway. Eggs are sometimes given to stallions in the traveling season for exciting desire and to other horses for producing a smooth coat. The egg is chipped, as they call it, and given raw like a ball. Several and many horses have been lost by the egg sticking in its throat and producing suffocation. God. What the? (laughs) If eggs must be given... Let them be broken and mixed with a mash or boiled hard and added to the grain. (laughs) Okay, so this now this is the section. I'm moving to another section about how much you feed a horse. You guys aren't going to believe this. 
Mr. Harper of Bank Hill, Lancaster, plows seven acres per week the year through on strong land with three horses, each of which receive two bushels of oats per week with hay during the winter six months and during the remainder of the year, one bushel of oats with green food. In the Quarterly Journal of Agriculture, number 21, the following mixture in which there is no hay is recommended for its economy. The horse is fed thrice, receiving at each time 15 pounds. What? Yes. It's three pounds of oats and bean meal mixed with one and a half pounds of cut straw, three pounds of oats and bean meal. Oh, sorry. That's in the in the morning. Gets three pounds of oats and bean meal mixed with one and a half pounds. Or is that eleven? Oh, it's eleven pounds cut straw. At midday, it's three pounds of oats and bean meal with twelve pounds of cut straw. And eleven pounds. Oh, at night, it's eleven pounds oats and beans. Two pounds cut straw and 11 pounds of steamed potatoes. The best food for ordinary working horses in America is as much good hay or grass as they will eat, corn stalks or blades, or for the want of these, straw and a mixture of from 16 to 24 quarts per day of about half and half of oats and the better quality of wheat bran. When the horse is seven years old past, two to four quarts of corn or hominy or meal ground from the corn and cob is preferable to the pure grain. Two to four quarts of wheat, barley, rye, buckwheat, peas, or corn. A pint of oil meal. A pint. A pint. <laughs> a gill of flaxseed mixed with a... Mixed with a healthy, with other food, is very good for a relish, especially in keeping up a healthy system and the bowels open. I'd say. And giving the hair a fine, posse <laughs> appearance. Wow. Corn is fed too much at the South and the West. Um, it makes horses fat, but cannot give them that hard, muscular flesh which oats do. Hence, their softness and want of endurance in general work and on the road in comparison with northern and eastern horses reared and fed on oats and more nutritious grasses. Potatoes and other roots, unless cooked, do not seem to be of much benefit in this climate, especially in winter. They lie cold upon the stomach and subject the horse to scouring. Besides, they are too watery for a hardworking animal. Just, I can't imagine any of my horses eating a potato. But I've never tried. I'll have to give it a try sometime. See what happens. Cart horses. So he has specific diets for each kind of horse. Yeah. yeah. The cart horse. The cart horse employed about towns are fed on oats, beans, bran, and hay. Meal seeds, barley, and corn dusts. Hay seeds and roots are also in common use. In winter, one feed is generally boiled and given the last a night. The quantity of fodder is seldom limited. 
The horse eats as much as he pleases or as much as his owner can afford. It will probably vary 15 to 30 pounds in the 24 hours. The quantity of grain varies from 12 to 16 pounds. The oats and beans are seldom bruised. See, that's interesting to me because 1850, the amount of forage the horses are given is much higher mm-hmm. than it would have been in the 70s or 80s for a horse of similar work. We, we really, you know, a lot of people, their horse gets 12 pounds of hay a day and that's it. You know? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Just so, finding this fascinating. So, I know. Yeah. So carriage horse and street coach horses. All these, with few exceptions, have for many years been fed the same way and upon the same articles as at present. In general, they receive three or four feeds per day, consisting of oats and beans, unbroken and uncooked. The quantity varies from 12 to 16 pounds, and the fodder, of which hay is the only kind, is rarely limited. Male stage and fast boat horses... Many of these horses are fed in the old way. In winter, they receive oats, beans, bran, and hay. In summer, oats, beans, hay, and grass, all given without preparation only three times a day. But a new mode has been adopted by the owners of nearly all of the large studs. The food consists of more articles. It is often prepared with a degree of care that in the good old times would have been deemed preposterously troublesome. The horses are often are fed oftener, and articles are used in which many still deem unfit for horses and even poisonous. The ordinary feeding consists of oats, beans, and hay, but barley is often given both raw and boiled. Every horse receives about six or seven pounds of rack hay at night. There are five feeding hours, the first at six, the others at nine, one, five, and eight. At each time, the horse receives one half peck of a mixture which usually contains five bushels of oats, one of bean, and six of chaff. In winter, the horses get boiled food every night. It is composed of barley and beans to which few turnips are sometimes added. Carrots are given raw during the day, but when considerably dearer than turnips, turnips supply their, their place. Turnips. Who knew? Turnips. Well, and who knew that the grain dense diet went that back that far? Well, yeah. exactly. You know, it, it was. It's from the sound of that. It's, it sounds like it was just becoming popular at that point. But if you ask me, well, when did this whole feed the horse enormous amounts of concentrates thing start? I would have not said the eighteen hundreds. That's interesting. Now, cavalry horses used to be fed on barley and hay. At present, they get 10 pounds of oats and 12 of hay. They are fed thrice. In the morning, they get three pounds, at midday, four, and at night, three. For six or seven weeks in summer, they get cut grass. They have no beans, no boiled food, no chaff. The oats are not bruised. Once a week, a bran mash is given at night instead of oats. Sick horses get bran mashes, boiled oats, raw potatoes, and hay or grass. Each horse is allowed eight pounds of straw every day for litter. Eight pounds? That's like mm-hmm. a quarter. That's like four flakes of straw. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. 
yeah, it's um, – so that's just – I mean, you know, this book is 400 pages long, so um, – A fascinating look at it, how thing, some things have changed a lot. Some things have come full circle. Some things haven't changed at all. That's interesting stuff. I, You know what? I, I One of the things that really stri- strikes me is – the, the idea of feeding many times a day mm-hmm. and, you know, and he, there he, he specified, you know, 6 a.m. and then yeah. 9 and and we've yeah. really gotten away from that. Yeah. I mean, most horses get fed twice yes. a day. Yeah. Some yeah. get fed three times a day. A smaller group get fed four times a day. But really, they do need to be fed. I mean, these horses are not on pasture. These horses are working. Yeah, they're, yeah exactly. Yeah. And thus, thus you see the picture, the old pictures of them standing along the street with a feed bag around their head. Yeah, because they needed to be fed, and they weren't Absolutely. going back to the barn to do it. They just hang the bag on their head and give yep. them some chow. Yeah, pretty cool. So you cool. can you can get this book on Amazon. Obviously, it's you know <laughs> reprinted, <laughs> and it's called the Stable Book by John Stewart. <laughs> Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. And here we are. We've arrived at Coffee Clatch. And I get to ask the question today. <laughs> and since today's show has sort of a holiday bent to it, Uh-oh. I want to know what holiday film is your dog, cat, or horse's favorite and why? I'm going to start with Tigger because Patty's going to want longer to think about this because I know Patty. <laughs> and that was a present in itself. <laughs> So pick one of your fur babies, Tigger, and tell us what that fur baby's favorite film is and why. Oh, my God. I I don't think any of my dogs are interested in Christmas movies. I already have an answer. I already have an answer. Well, then we're going to go to Patty and let Tigger think. Okay. Burke would totally be the Christmas story. Now tell everybody who Burke is if they're not regular listeners. Okay. Oh, sorry. I'm just like, and there's dead air. Um, Burke is my first Australian shepherd who is just, he reminds me, um, I can't remember the kid's name. Who wanted the gun in the movie. Ralphie? Yeah, Ralph. Ralph, Yeah. Yeah. Burke, he's a little Ralph-esque. He's super cute, but a little uh, dorky. Mm -hmm. And he relates to that. And he wants, I just know he would. And, but he wouldn't shoot his eyes. I just want you to know that. um, (laughs) That's one of the, yeah. Okay, Tigger, that should help you. 
Oh, so it's it's a movie that reflects the personality of the dog. Sure. How about we do this? How about we name a Christmas movie and you say which dog would like? Well, she does have an assortment. Go for it. I like that idea, Patty. Go for one. Okay. Miracle on 34th Street. Nobody. What about Sabi? Nope. (laughs) Um, Okay. Um, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Crockett. (laughs) No, which one's Crockett? Okay. Tell everybody who Crockett is. Crockett is an Australian shepherd. And where does he fall in, in the pack? Is he the... He's the, uh, in, in, the, 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 the alpha. There you go. He's the alpha male. Okay. Um, how about um, the, the Nutcracker? That's a Christmas yeah. story. Yeah, no. Nobody no, fits nobody, nobody that. Likes the uh-uh. nutcracker? Okay, nobody, nobody likes the classicals. Okay. What about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? No. Boy, we're, 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 uh, we're striking out here. Yeah, we're, yeah. Okay. All right. Jennifer, I know you can save us here. Think of something good. Okay. I'm going to save you. Who likes the Grinch who stole... No, we already did the Grinch. Who likes Charles Dickens? One of my favorites. Who likes it? Oh, I love I love it. Guys, what do you think? <laughs> well, if mom's laying down and I can sit on her lap on the couch, we like it too. So all of them. I'm going to say all of them. I would say that Wookie would really would, uh, Scrooged the the modern version. Oh, he likes the right one with uh, the Scrooge one. That was excellent. Yeah. There you because go. she likes humor. Yeah. I think Thunder Bear would be much more classical. So your different dogs would like different versions of the Scrooge <laughs> story. Yes. Who would, yeah. like, who would like the Muppet version? I've never seen it. <gasps> Blasphemy. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't even know it existed. It's the best version ever made. Oh my God, I've got to watch it. Yeah. The Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. And you, but you, it's, 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 bum, it's a bummer though, because unless you have the, DVD of it, they took out one of the songs. So the one you watch on TV is missing one of its songs. Oh, and I wow. feel shortchanged each time I watch it. Wow. Yeah, because the uh, the executives after the movie aired for the first time um, decided it was the song uh, was too sad, so they took it out. Oh God. Yep. So typical. Mm. So typical. There we so go. what would your dog, what do you think she's going to like in yeah. terms of... Pickles? Oh, that was, yeah. This was so easy. This was so easy. Pickles, okay. the 18-month-old greyhound, would like every single movie on the Har- Hallmark Channel. <laughs> the only <laughs> channel she watches. <laughs> Is that because she likes to play on the couch and just watch movies, or... She's just the quintessential girly girl. Life is drama. Oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. Oh, I love him. Oh, he's run away. Oh, I love him. Oh, yeah. Her whole life is a Hallmark movie. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, that's hysterical. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. I mean, I'm laughing so hard. Yeah. That's hysterical. Oh my God, I don't have any dog like that. Yeah. She reads Teen Beat magazine. 
<laughs> or Tiger Beat. Tiger Beat, yeah. Okay. That's her. What does she want for Christmas? Pickles wants, we you know, pick, Pickles wants someone to love her for Christmas. Oh, that's pathetic. Because every time I leave the house to feed the horses, nobody, nobody loves me. That when she went after oh, the blinds. Well, we, we were gone for several hours today, both of us. Uh-oh. And we did our best to create a physical barrier. Oh, I just noticed the chew marks there. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, a physical barrier <laughs> between said we did our best. <laughs> yeah, the, the window blinds and the dog. Uh, but the barrier was insufficient for her level of <laughs> the world hates me. <laughs> you don't think that she was trying to see you? You know, get to the blinds to see you. Oh well, that, yeah. Whatever she, what she tries to do, she gets to the blinds in the front of the house because that's the door we go out through, and uh, she can't see uh, through the door because the window's too high. Thank gosh, we should probably break it. So she just wants to get under there so she can push it open and look through. But then she doesn't. She gets her head stuck in it, you know, and is, does silly dog things. Um, but all she did was break and tear up the blinds. She didn't take my office apart and send the. Uh, that's a good thing. The, the computer monitors flying. And well, things, maybe she uh, needs a. A a boyfriend like on a Hallmark channel. Oh, I'm sure she, her so, life is a Hallmark movie. I'm telling you. But maybe she needs a companion. Yeah. <laughs> she has a box full of companions, and she has a dinosaur and a pickle and a rope and a stuffy I and see a, another dog, a cat, no, a ferret. No. Oh come on, a llama. A llama. There we go. Maybe she can have a llama. I want to get her a push me pull you. Llama stepless could be you. There we go. So that's it. That's that's that was the question of the day. If your furry friends or, you know, scaly friends, leathery friends, feathered friends, if your if your non-human members of the family have films that they prefer to watch or maybe that they fit a character in those movies, we would love to hear about it at Healthy Critters Radio. And you can do that by going over to Healthy Critters Radio on Facebook and like and following the page and put a post over there, maybe a picture. We'd love to hear from you. Or you can send a postcard to Tigger. Send her, send Tigger a Christmas card because the, the holidays are stressful. Because Tigger is also in a Hallmark movie. Ha- Tigger yeah, lives a Hallmark movie, and she could really use a little love from the listeners. That's so where would they send that Christmas card, Tigger? Ah, to 1 Cleveland Street, Suite 800, Gordonsville, Virginia, 22942. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, Biostar US. You can find them online at biostarus.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to healthycrittersradio.com, where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Love your dog. Hug your horse. Feed your chickens. Clean your litter box. Dance with your goat. Slither with your snakes. Howl at the moon. Hang with your hamster. Party with your parrot. Waddle with your walrus. Outwit your otter. Cuddle your cows. Rap with your raptor. Go chipping with your chipmunks. Forgive your fox. While hedging your hog. We also recommend that you rack with your raccoon. 
gyrate with your giraffe. Meditate with a meerkat. Uber with your orangutan. Facebook with your flamingo. Ponder with your panda. Walk with your wookie. Yawn with your yak. Twitter with your toucan. Go raining with your reindeer. Dropbox your dragon. (laughs) 